Um, okay, you want to? Should we do this question about? Um, oh, well, let's talk about this for a second. Because um, Joe also brought up Billy Child's lyric, that record. Oh, yeah. And if I know a lot of you were probably on this, but maybe some of you weren't. I got to tell you, and we haven't even really talked about it yet. But I think that. Well, first of all, little backstory. We presented a masterclass at Open Studio last Friday. Mm. Uh, Adam moderated and presented Billy Childs, who is just a fantastic... He's very unique, I would say, in the jazz world Word. because um, he he really comes from a classical and a jazz background. But actually, he comes from, you know, like an L.A. music background, a very eclectic music background in terms of like rock and funk and fusion and R&B. But I think classical and jazz are sort of the things that he's known most for. But a lot of people up until not that long ago didn't necessarily know a lot about his classical kind of compositions. And I, I shouldn't even say classical because he does, he's not a classical composer. He's not a jazz composer. He's just, he's a very individualistic writer that's able to, to funnel in, like he loves Paul Hindemith and he loves, you know, Monk, but he loves like Crosby, Stills and Nash. And like, he has all these different influences like many of us, but he's able to have this kind of singular voice. And, you know, he's arranged for some of the biggest artists since the Mm seventies and written stuff. And now, now over the last 10, 15, 20 years, he's really had some great opportunities to present, I think what his vision of his music is. And it's such a great amalgamation of these influences and of his experience. I mean, he played with Freddie Hubbard for years when he was young Mm -hmm. and he used to be the guy that was like, you know, back when touring was like, oh, we're going to the West Coast. I'm going to pick up a trio on the West Coast. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. A rhythm section. You he pick was up always, Billy Childs. Yeah. You pick up Billy Childs and I can't like Dwayne Dolphin and, <laughs> and just various LA cats, you know. Um, but anyway, what, but I digress. I regress. No. Um, oh, yeah. So we did the master class and uh, he did it. We did a kind of composition style. And it was just so cool. Man, I mean, he was so he was dropping. I learned knowledge. so much. He was dropping knowledge, man. And For and, sure. and I love what he started with. He presented one of his pieces, and then he did some kind of critiques, or just in, you know, kind of um, yeah, critique. I guess you would say of several of our students, yeah. but um, and their compositions that they presented. But before he played his song, he kind of broke down an analysis that yeah. he did, and he's like, "I didn't think about any of this stuff before I wrote it, but this is stuff that I noticed and very clearly, very thematic. I thought it was fantastic. It was great. Yeah, he had all." All the themes like written out and identified and then he had this like timelines handwritten structure that he went through on his piece into the light grammy award winning uh yeah composition yep and it was just very the whole thing was very enlightening and you know i mean you and i both do a little bit a fraction of what he does as <laughs> right. far as like writing with orchestras and yep. larger ensembles and stuff and and I, I, I know you were geeking out on it as much as I was just to see to see his string writing and hear him talk about that process yeah. and everything. It's just so cool. He's man. such I've, I've learned so much because I played a lot of his arrangements with the orchestra. And so I learned a lot just from hearing it and um, stolen a lot of his stuff for my string writing. But also fun fact that you may not know about Adam Mass about that Friday session when you started. Did you notice that perhaps Billy might have showed up to the before activities maybe five minutes later than you and some other folks? I don't know. Was he a little bit late? I didn't notice. Because, well, he, <laughs> I don't think he'll mind me divulging this, but he uh, totally forgot about it. Excellent. And he got an email from Rachel Morgan when she saw that he wasn't there and said, oh, here's the link just in case you didn't have it. And he's like, oh, that's today. Okay, cool. No problem. Excellent. <laughs> so good thing he saw that and showed up. But that was a, a really fun thing. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to work here. Let's see. Do you guys have any? Uh, no, let's go back up. 
Still new to transcribing, but... <laughs> you didn't like that one? <laughs> well, I just want to make sure I got all of them. Uh, still new with transcribing, but there was a line I kind of struggled with until I noticed that it was just over a diminished chord Then I clicked. Okay, that's not even a question. <laughs> Way to go. You, you, I think you need me to, to pick out the question. Here, here we go. The funky unit. Our, my favorite of the our funky YouTube. Unit. The funky Wait, unit. Uh, uh, uh. The funky, the funky unit, unit. <laughs> in the house <laughs> with a good ass question. Where you at? Where you at? The funky unit. Oh boy. Funky unit. <laughs> Do you guys have any favorite pieces from classical repertoire that you like to play that may complement your jazz playing? Thanks. Uh, you know, from favorite tunes from other genres. That's what we like to talk about with the funky unit. Uh, you know what the funky unit? You know what you check out if you haven't checked out much of some Chopin nocturnes. You're gonna thank me later for that. Chopin nocturnes aren't funky at all, but that's okay. You gotta check it out. No, but they're super vibey. It's like the original shoegaze. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, that's a great one. That's a great one. And it's pianistic as hell. As hell's yeah. Um, and you like the Bach two-part inventions, three-part inventions. I like to slop my way through those yeah, on a Federer on a, on a <laughs> <laughs> I love the, yeah, the well-tempered clavier, obviously. Clavier. Oh, that sounds great on a Hammer 88. <laughs> Nothing sounds better. Any good tips on... This is from Yayo. Yeah, yo, that was the nickname of. Uh, yeah, we'll yeah. Any good tips or recording for transcribing to get better at rhythm changes at the piano? Still having a hard time. Yes, I've got a good one for you. Little oleo action, right? Yeah, and Miles Davis solo. Exactly, relaxing. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's so I can't remember it now. It's so lyrical, and it's so. We gotta get the thing where we can just start playing stuff on here. Well, we can barely get the stream started, so we'll do that later. <laughs> I mean, we could play two pianos on here, and then we have Cordy. <laughs> Damn it, Peter. What else do you want from us? I want to be able to play Miles. I want to be able to play Miles. But um, it's such a great solo, and uh, I would recommend that. Uh, what else? There's um, uh, there's some good Oscar Peters and stuff, but that's, like, super advanced. I mean, not that that's wrong, but. Noriko Mendez. What's up, Noriko? Question about. Oh, sorry. It's from Live at the Blackhawk. Did we say that? Mm. I, I said relaxing, but I like your. Oh, that one's better. good too. Yeah. That one's good too. Rico says, "Question about mentality: How much of self-admiration is proper in general? Do you think we well, all? You're asking the right guy over here. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Yeah, uh, we if all. If you guys could see how long we have to do his lighting and focus setup before, that's why we can barely get the stream. He's like, "Hold up, put it up one more time. Let me see. Wait, a little more yellow. Little Start from not. Start from not. <laughs> Bring up the Kelvin. Kelvin forty-seven hundred. We all need to have some guts to jump in <laughs> jam sessions, et cetera, if we have if we Wait, hold up. Cautious. You didn't answer uh, the other question. No, I mean, Self-admiration. Uh, this is the second part of it. Oh, We okay. all need to have some guts to jump in jam sessions, et cetera. If we are too cautious or coward, we'll lose our chance. But if we have too much self-admiration, we'll miss the opportunities to learn. Well, I think, Noriko, you are answering your own question here in my experience. It takes pressure off us. But you know what? Something to think about, Noriko, what helps me think about this is asking myself, who am Self- I doing? Who who am I doing this for? Is this for me or is this for the music? Those are those for are me. really our two options for me. Right. You always no. want to serve the music first, That's and right. that means that you can actually be uh, have some self admiration, be confident, and be braggadocious without being cocky. Even you can yes, you can be 
you can feel good about what's going on and feel good about what you're playing without it being self-serving. You can still be serving the music and the experience right. of your listener. Uh, it's a it's a fine thing to walk, but if you can answer the question honestly, am I serving myself in this moment or am I serving the music right now? You will hopefully get to a place where you are more than often serving the music first and serving yourself second. Yes, I would agree totally. And I would say that you could think about it like... Um, you know, if you are able to to settle into this mindset of serving the music, then you don't have to worry about self-admiration as much because, like, if you play something that sounds good, if you're fitting in with the group, like, if, the, if you're doing your contribution, whether that's soloing or laid back or whatever, but it's something good, you can smile and you can enjoy it and it's not coming across as braggadocious because it's about the bigger thing. Now, some people may think it comes across that way, but I, I really think that that's that great intersection of confidence and not being, you know, kind of humble braggish. Um, and so once we are really putting ourselves in that position of service and that mentality, and this takes a little bit of a time because it's, it's, it's not, it's like as we're developing as players, we're also trying to always constantly develop as people and as humans. And, um, you know, we're here to serve. And so, yeah, I love this, love what you said, Adam, about serving the music, um, just like you serve a guest first. But if you really get into this thing of you're always serving the music, it, it just becomes fun, you know. And for me, it's, yeah, it's the, the better you get, the easier that is to do. But you start to realize that you don't question things in a way that you do when you're trying to serve your own ego, you know. Mm. Um, now, you can't get thrown off the scent by this from others because sometimes people will misinterpret this. And you know what? You know what my mom, my mom told me once? What? Son, there's always going to be haters. Always going to be haters. Yeah. Wait, Rose said that? She did say that. <laughs> she, she was very literal about it, I think, more so than the way we use it. <laughs> people are going to hate you. I was like, yeah, mom, they're going to be haters. She's like, no, they're really going to hate you. <laughs> ooh, ooh, Kevin has a good question. Tips on connecting chords while soloing. I'm at the phase in my improvisation where I'm just babbling instead of saying coherent sentences. A few you, Kevin. Uh, one thing we like to, to work on for that, Kevin, is what you want to do is map out the geography of your changes. So if you have a tune like... So that you're not babbling, that you understand what's happening. We like to do this thing called scale running, right? Where you kind of establish what are the scales I'm going to use over each chord. Now, this is very basic and this is very clinical and it sucks, but it'll get to where you need to go for this, right? Hey, you need a little more self-admiration. <laughs> yeah. Self-affirmation. I'm serving the music here and yeah. I'm serving <laughs> Kevin here. So, <laughs> so what I'm going to do is like I start with a B flat major scale because it's a B flat major seven chord. Yep. So every time the chord changes, I don't stop the scale, and that was very fast, but I can do it much slower. I can do quarter notes. Right, you you don't even, and you can change directions wherever you want. Yeah. E flat, Lydian dominant. A flat, Lydian dominant. C harmonic minor. C Lydian dominant. can make different shapes C Dorian A half hole diminished or F half hole diminished sorry back to B flat major but basically and you can go that slow you can go half notes yeah 
Uh, it, you can go as slow as you need to, Kevin. But what you're doing is practicing changing the scale with the chord. It's like the most basic Bob, uh, shout out to Bob DeBoo, basic Bob way to understand these are my note shout choices. Shout out to Bob De, De Niro for me. Bob okay. De Niro. Now, this is like some people consider this kind of like too uh, heady or like not raw enough yeah. or not. So you might consider that too. If you're struggling understanding the inner workings of music, this can be really good. If you want to sound better, start transcribing more. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Somebody made a note. Uh, Luke said Adam's Bebop course is great. I found it really helpful for my lines. I would oh, concur on that. As I mean, I've heard that from quite a few folks. I think that's a specialty of that course, Bebop Basics, right? Hmm. Yeah. Um. Cool. All right. Uh, Chris, see, that's what I'm saying. My mom said there's going to be haters. Chris says Peter's singing might get y'all some dislikes. Your you know? mom was right about so many things. Hey, don't talk about my mama. Adam says she was right. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. You know, we're just we're having fun. It's Monday. It's uh, in in America. It's Thanksgiving. Uh, oh, man. Week. Do you ever feel like I feel like and this is a holdover from elementary school. This yeah. week is kind of free week, right? Like, I, know. I mean, we still have a bunch of work to do and there's always stuff to do. But it feels like we're st- we're already on vacation or at the Martin House, as we call it, Tofurky week. Tofurky week. Yeah, dude, we're heading this way. We got a real <laughs> turkey this year, but I don't know about next year. Uh, Did you go with a small bird? Dude, so we've been doing. Because I heard that's the thing this year is the small bird. Well, we we got we you know we have our groceries deliver because we're super conservative, uh, as you might notice by the huge thing of plexiglass <laughs> between us right now about the coronavirus. <laughs> I and thought you meant politically conservative that as well. <laughs> no, and the person who our, our shopper who bought our turkey found the most gigantic, <laughs> probably genetically modified bird you'd ever seen. I mean, it could barely fit in our fridge, dude. It's ridiculous. Well, it was funny. My mom yesterday- There's uh, four of us and two of us are under 80 pounds. <laughs> but not the bird. No, not- <laughs> oh, So my mom yesterday told me, she's like, can you pick me up? Are you going to go grocery shopping for us this week? And, I, and she said, can you pick me up a Cornish, a small Cornish? Because she's literally the only one in the- you know, because my dad, vegetarian, dude, yeah. for, for many years. Yeah. And so she's just like, I want to have the little... I said, you know what? I think those might be in short supply this year because that yeah. with the smaller gatherings, you know, people have been going with the little Cornish hands. Or I, perhaps a capon. This might be a capon. You year. know, our very own... I don't uh, even know what that is. Open Studios' <laughs> very own Rachel Morgan has yes. requested a Cornish hen ah. for her Thanksgiving. She, she saying, might be dining alone, as we all should be. DK Sound System said, Chip, Chip Crawford, Porter's pianist. You should invite oh, yeah. him. Yeah, Chip's great. We should Chip get him on good. the show. Chip can go dark, though, can't he? I think I... Maybe I just seen him in an airport at the wrong time. Let's find all... out. Let's <laughs> <laughs> find out. Uh, the, the Funky Unit just got his got the theme song for the new sitcom. Totally true. Yep. Do you have a favorite Afro-Cuban funky jazz pianist? Funky Unit in the house. So, funky Unit. Avi says, do you have a favorite... Funky Unit in the house. Funky unit. Obviously, says, do you have a favorite Afro-Cuban jazz pianist? Really enjoyed the new Gonzalo Rubalcaba. 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 Uh, Gonzalo is one of the greatest pianists alive right now. Do yeah. you agree or disagree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's he is. A, he's a force. Have you heard him live before? Never. Oh, well, man. So, dude, you're going to go, I mean, as great as he is on recordings, hearing him live is, like, that's the kind of pianist that really you got to hear hear him live it's it's it goes next level but yeah I, I totally agree i love gonzalo uh chucho valdez i think is chucho is, um if you would put him in the afro i mean of course you put him in the afro-cuban um uh, place but i i i would just say chucho is one of my favorite pianists right now period 
yeah you know for doing anything and he can play a lot of different things he obviously playing cuban music and cuban jazz in particular and, and what we would call often afro-cuban uh music is certainly something that he excels at but i wouldn't say that like that's even the only it's definitely not the only thing he could do i don't even know if that's the only thing that he excels at i mean he's he's an amazing classical pianist of course his father was an incredible pianist but i mean he is just such a great jazz pianist and so i think that um and it's just you know he's one of those i really put him and i don't talk about him enough i i would just say i think back to about a year ago when i got a chance to hear him right you know not 50 yards from here at jazz at the bistro mm. and um i wanted to go i mean i've heard him live so many times that so so many never mm -hmm. enough but i remember i wanted to hear him that so much that that i got back in town that day and had to do a bunch of stuff and i knew that was his last night over there it was saturday night and or maybe even Sunday, it might have been a Sunday. Whatever is the last night. And as I'm pulling up here, I was so excited. I hit a curb <laughs> over on um, Grand, and I popped a tire. I could, see, you know, when you know you hit a flat tire. I was like, uh. And so I was like, you know what? On my mind, I was like, let me just get close enough to the club where I can park somewhere safely. I left the car there on on the on the side of the road and ran over to the club to hear the set. And and like the the joy of the music was so great. I forgot about the car. When I, I came out at midnight afterwards and got a chance to hang with with um, Chucho and, and and I came out, I was like, oh yeah, I got a flat tire. I gotta figure out how to get home. Man, I want to give a shout out to um youngish Cuban pianist. Youngish because he's my age, Manuel Valera. We went to school together. He is amazing. Yes. New Cuban Express. There's a long tradition of great pianists from yes. that little island, man. Yeah, all, all, almost every. I, you know what I've never heard is a Cuban pianist that did, did not have monster technique. It's crazy, right? Yeah, and yeah. I know that part of that. I mean, yeah, Manny too is ridiculous. Yeah, part of that is just they have such a great piano, and apparently a lot of it, like they had these great Russian teachers down there. I know a bunch of them came up, but they've got a really good music school program that identifies these top talents at a young age and funnels them to the best teachers and stuff. It's it's a pretty amazing system. Uh, oh, there was one question out here. We only have a few more minutes. Uh, so apologies if we didn't get your question. We're, we're going. So can we get Peter's opinion on Phoebe Bridgers? That would be funny. We should do that. We, I've always said we should do a show. Yeah, exactly. No, you you have no that? business who knowing that? who that is. She's know. like an early 20s singer-songwriter. It's, it's shoegaze like to the max. I, I'm all about the shoegaze. Uh, you kind of are. Yeah. But it would be fun to just, we introduce each other to music that we think the other will not like. Right. That would be fun. That would be great. Uh, Zach says, I've been trying to improve my feel for many years. I know that I play on the front side of the beat. I've been told to lay back. It seems my pursuit of this is some serious fine-tuning. I've been transcribing for many years now. It seems to help. I really want to get a handle on this. Can you help me? So, Zach, first of all, I want to just say uh, some advice that came down to me when I was young that was very helpful with this. Everybody has their own feel. So even if you are on the front yeah. side, maybe that's just Zach's rhythm. Maybe right. that's how Zach feels it. And that's totally cool, man. Let that be that's a right. fingerprint a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's why we have personalities. I mean, that's not the only part that defines your personality as a musician, but that's one of the parts of it. And so... I think you've got the awareness of it. That's the important part is not, is it better to be behind the beat, on the beat, or ahead of the beat? There is no right, but there's the awareness of it. Like I, I play on top of the beat, um, but I don't always play. I mean, I try to fit in with the music for sure, but given my natural inclination, and you can hear it, like every time we start playing something together and I'm walking, it's like, it probably feels like I'm, I'm pushing and rushing, you know? Um, if I have any fault, it's that I push and rush too much. <laughs> Just can't wait to get there. <laughs> but, that's also only on certain types of grooves and things. So that's just what it's about is having that awareness. Now, if you hear that you're on top of the beat, but you're here like that you're playing on top of the beat, but you're hearing the music more like 
somewhere else, but you can't seem to match that up. That's a problem. And that's where you want to make adjustments. But if it's, as you're saying, just a part of your musical personality and it sounds good, yeah. what's the problem? Yeah, you know, our, our good friend Elio Alves, who is one of the best pianists I know, Yes, he has a, a much different feel than almost any pianist I've ever heard. You know what I mean? And sometimes I can't even figure out what's going on. And it's not that it's like, it's he's out of time or anything, or it's it's just his own feel. And that's totally cool. In fact, that's, like you said, man, that's how personalities work. Yeah. And so I, I would say, uh, who asked this? What's this? What's my man's name? Zach. I would say, Zach, you know, as much as you can, hang on to some individual feel. If it's a real big problem, like Peter said, make sure you have control first and foremost. But other than that. Absolutely. Um, Pick and Stone, Alex, Spaceman, what's up? He says, who has the most happening left hand? Adam and Petey. Petey. Okay, wow. That's I didn't... quite informal, only, Alex. Only, you've already only... <laughs> you've already done this once to Jeffrey Keyser, buddy. Just because you have the most, uh, the you know, the, the most number of uh, voicemails. What do we call those things? Uh, I lost you. I lost him. I lost him. Where you at, Adam? Earth to Adam. What's up? I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> reading, I'm reading comments here. Yeah, yeah. Um, just because you have the most number of voicemails. Uh, what do we call the voicemails? Speak pipes. Speak pipes. Come on, man. of all time. That means you can call me. Yeah, you can call See, me. See, he's already like, uh oh, <laughs> keys. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny because we were on a, a YouTube live stream and and Pick and Stone called uh, Jeffrey Keys or Keys, and Keys was like, well, that's a little bit informal. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. great. Um, okay, so who has the most hum- happening left hand in your humblest of opinions? So, well, of course it's going to be humble because we're going to be making opinions. I mean. I guess he means don't say ourselves. <laughs> that wouldn't be a very humble opinion, right? Yeah, yeah. It's well, not me. It's definitely not me, but it is definitely Art Tatum. I was about to say, I mean, does it I mean, does anybody else really pop to mind Oscar Peterson maybe compared to Art Tatum? But I mean, yeah. I'm gonna give I'd give a shout out to Brad Meldo on this too. He's got yeah. a pretty he's got amazing hand independence. Right. I don't know about chops. Right. It's it's pretty good, man. It's, yeah, it's pretty right. good. I would also because well, he's gazing down. Only reason he happens to see it is because he's looking at his. Yeah, he's looking at his shoes so closely that he. I mean, Gonzalo. Oh yeah, Gonzalo. You know, um, the most happening. But now happening. Benny Green. Yeah, Benny. Now, so maybe we should Jeff Keezer. What are we talking about? Jeffrey? Yeah, we were sitting here talking about Jeffrey Keezer. Like, we've watched him do actually. It. Yeah, Jeffrey Keezer actually in in. I've never seen a left hand better than that in person. Yeah. No offense, Peter. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, this is crazy. But, if we look at this, let's let, let let us dissect this question a little closer, shall we, homie? Um, who has the most happening left hand? Maybe we are skewing, as it were. Herbie Hancock has the most happening left hand. Okay, sorry. Well, that's that's that, that, that's not subjective. That's an objective truth. <laughs> that's that that that's an original. That's an Arist- Aristotelian um, uh, uh, OG truth. Um, Absolute truth. Yeah, I mean, the most happening. I think that the most happening can be, I mean, to me, Thelonious Monk had an extremely happening. Like, there's very little that Thelonious Monk played with his left hand that I'm not like, that is so cool and artful and so fitting for what he's playing overall. So, I mean, I think that... um, Mm. Can I, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Fred Hirsch for his left. Talk about, about, when you talk about control, about feel and dynamics. I mean, he and I think Keith Jarrett and I would put Kenny Kirkland up there too as far as just control with their left hand. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, I think we're nearing the end of our little You'll Hear Live. Thank you guys for making the trip over to uh, what we call Take Two. 
still here. next week wait is this thing still on yes (laughs) join us next week for another you'll hear it live we start every week at 4 p.m. Eastern Central Time. You're going to want to catch the wonderful Adam Manis and the handsome Peter Martin every week. Have a great Thanksgiving, y'all. <laughs>